Are you here? <clears throat> Excuse me, Paul, I'm, I'm doing the introduction. Yeah, that's why you have me here. I'm trying to, if you'll just let me. Hmm. Well, sorry, folks. <clears throat> okay, let's get this episode of the Paul Leslie Hour started. Now, this is the second interview with Barry Cuda. And if you've never had the pleasure of listening to Barry Cuda, he's a blues, boogie-woogie, barrel-house, ragtime pianist. He's always one of Paul's absolute favorite acts to catch in Key West. Now, this time around, Barry Cuda took Paul to his secret rehearsal place in Key West and gave the interview you're about to listen to right there at his piano. They talked about this and that. Barry's album, New World Blues Boots, that album featured Alfred Uganda Roberts, who used to play congas with Professor Longhair. Oh, we're going around the world here, something, hmm. Well, here's something else. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by people like you, listeners. Just go to www.thepaulleslie.com slash support, and we thank you. Okay, let's hear Paul Edward Leslie and Barry Cuda. This is their second go-around. Let's hope for a third one, right? Now let's listen to see what went down at that secret rehearsal space. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my extreme pleasure to welcome this very talented man. He's a performer, a pianist, a recording artist, an entertainer. He's also somewhat of a musical archivist bringing styles from different eras back to life on his recordings and in his performances. It is an honor to welcome Barry Cuda. Hello, how you doing? All right, great to have you back. Yeah, it's great, great to be here. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> I, I guess I'm back because this is your place. <laughs> yeah, this is my place. I want to kind of go back a little bit. Tell us about Ray Parker. Ray Parker, not the, uh, the Commodores guy, if that's where it was. Ray Parker was my uh, piano teacher when I was a kid. And he uh, taught by day and was jazz, had a jazz trio and a quartet up in Pensacola where I grew up. So um, when I was a kid, when I, my uh, interest would wane, my, uh, my parents would talk to Ray about arranging something that I was interested in, like the Baby Elephant Walk or the 12th Street Rag, something like that to get me back interested into doing it instead of just classical piano, even though... You know, he was a jazz pianist by trade. He uh, he uh, loved his classical, and you know, classical training is part and parcel for most most kids' piano training. So Ray was a good guy. You know, he uh, uh, passed away about ten years ago, and I was one of his students that went on to be a performer. Mm -hmm. What caused your interest in ragtime music? Back to Ray Parker, I um I saw a Danny Thomas show, and they had. A cute little Asian girl that was just amazing. All the old people on that, and they're showing her off, and she was playing the 12th Street Rag by Uday Bowman. And I thought that was real cool. What on TV? This would have been uh, 1963. So uh, I was trying to figure it out on the piano, and my mom saw me trying to figure it out, and she asked Ray Parker, my teacher, to do a uh, arrangement for me. And I did, and pretty soon I memorized. It was simple. I didn't have the octave stretch or tenth stretch you need you know, for ragtime and stride on the bass. So uh, Ray arranged one for my little hands, and uh, I played it, and pretty soon I was the most popular 
kid at my elementary school, you know, and all the girls were uh, wanting me to play, you know. Does that tune ever make its way into your sets? No, it actually doesn't. I, uh, I, 12th Street Rag is kind of commercial rag, and uh, and then from there I branched into Scott Joplin and James Scott and Joseph Lamb and other guys who were more serious classical ragtime composers. That, that piece is pretty interesting, but it's basically a 10-pan alley rag commercial. Naki Parker from Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys mentored you. What was the best lesson you got from him? Um, I don't know. Probably no one lesson other other than his, his enthusiasm. He, um, uh, you know, he he was a pianist for Bob Wills and the and the Texas Playboys and the, the light crusted Doughboys that uh, preceded them. And he was a professor at the University of South Florida in Tampa. I went to school in St. Pete at Eckerd. I was learning this music and went over uh, to check him out because I. When I realized he was, uh, this is back in the mid seventies that he was, uh, one of the pianists for the, my, my interest had expanded out of ragtime at that point and was into early boogie woogie and barrel house and different, you know, roots piano forms. And I found out that rock, uh, that Naki was, uh, doing the Western swing. So I went over and met up with him. And then I, uh, he was like enthusiastic about everything I was playing. Then I started playing, I think, uh, the cow cow blues. I suppose Cow Cow Boogie. Cow Cow Blues, uh, uh, with, uh, uh that riff. And, uh, Naki, like, thought that was just way, way cool. So, you know, I, yeah, his enthusiasm with this root stuff and that some, uh, a, a younger generation was picking up on it. What inspired you to travel to Chicago? See some of the guys, you know, who are still alive, primarily Little Brother Montgomery. Most of the guys had passed away by the time I got up there in 77. But uh, Sonny Lancelin was still alive and Little Brother Montgomery, and I was just interested in seeing them to learn from them piano, but also to see, you know, the overall blues thing, the uh, the electric blues, Muddy Waters, stuff like that. So You really studied the old piano blues. What quality do they have that you like so much? I just think it's a there's a naturalness to them. It's these guys were playing it for the love of it. I don't think necessarily for the money. Money hadn't seemed to corrupt the process. They're doing it because they love it, and that's what I do too. Fighting a good fight down here in Key West amongst a bunch of the zeitgeist down here in Key West seems to be Buffett country. Blue country Caribbean stuff like that, and that's all well and good. But I, I, I like the, I still like the root stuff because I think it's pure, and I think uh, it's like, I don't know if it's Nietzsche who said it. You know, like to, you, you need to know your history, you know, where you're going, and not repeat the same mistakes. But I, I just like the link. My new CD, in fact, is um, is about that because I'm down here in Key West. We're kind of in the middle of a whole major probably the most influential area, fertile-wise, of musical evolution, at least in the Western world. You know, the, the Cubans, uh, this European tradition and African traditions via the slaves came together in Cuba and then from there branched out to different points down to, you know, the Habanera, this, this rhythm. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three. That thing 
happening. It's called a habanero. Habanera. Habanero is the pepper. Habanera <laughs> is is the basis of uh, Cuban music. It's called habanero because it's from Havana, Habana, and it goes uh, down to Argentina. It becomes a tango. It migrates from Cuba up to New Orleans and becomes uh, the blues rumber Professor Longhair. <laughs> its way into 20th century uh, hound dog. Under the boardwalk. And that's just one, you know, the, the all these rhythms and stuff, like the merging of two continents, Europe and Africa, happened in Cuba and in Haiti. Then it was called Dominica, the whole island, the Haiti and Dominican Republic. It's just one thing. And from there, it just kind of sprang. It gets up into uh, the Gulf Coast, spreads. And, you know, it's it's not that. I'm oversimplifying it. The uh, What happened is is really the, uh, the the Spaniards, Christopher Columbus, discovered the New World in Cuba was his first landfall. So they colonized Cuba, and they wanted to... Uh, they wanted to slaves to work, you know, for for tobacco, for sugar cane, and coffee, and the Portuguese controlled the slave trade, so the deal was they, uh, the Spaniards in 1492 was also the end of the Inquisition, it was the beginning of the Inquisition, it was the end of Moorish, they finally got rid of the Moors, you know, the Islam, after uh, seven, almost 700 years of their invasion, so the last thing that the, the Cubans, uh, the uh, the Cuban, uh, the Spaniards wanted in Cuba for slaves were Moorish Islamic slaves. So the Portuguese controlled the slave trade at the time. So they said, "Well, we got these other slaves from way down there in the Congo and the jung and the jungle near Congo that exists and uh, the Bantu-speaking people." And said, "And we've uh, we've also converted them to Catholicism." So the Cubans took those. And down in the jungle, there are all these dead trees lying around, and they have this percussive, you know, <laughs> drumming tradition that's been going on for centuries already. And what happened is the slaves that were from Sub-Sahara, Africa, Mali, Senegal, the Ivory Coast, those slaves were bought by the British and came to the colonies. And there's more of a influence of a stringed instrument that the Islam had introduced mm-hmm. to Africa. So those slaves went up to the, the to the cotton colonies, and 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 what happened is they kind of merged uh, in New Orleans and stuff, and you know, so you've got your 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 blues, twelve uh, bar blues and stuff is is linked back pretty much to to Mali and Sub-Saharan stuff. So it all kind of it's, it's like it's complicated, but it it really to me it comes together in uh, the Caribbean and the extended Caribbean. That's why I call my new CD New World Blues Roots. Uh, and I've got, to me, Cuba and Key West are uh, kind of like the center, of the, you know, geographically of this whole area. You've got, like, up in New Orleans and Houston, you've got the development of blues and jazz. And that's, you know, because of stuff coming from the slaves, the, the sub-Sahara slaves and the colonies uh, and the United 13 original colonies. And you've got all these other really intricate rhythms. That's why the music so interesting in Cuba, the rhythmically, is because it's coming from Africa, where they have polyrhythmic drumming. So anyway, what happened is uh, I get a, you get all these great rhythms, and they're still influencing Western music now, pop music. 
So anyway, I what I did is uh, on my new CD, I took the conceit of let's let's simplify it. Let's have one instrument representing the old world uh, Europe and one instrument representing the old world Africa. So I took a conga. I used Professor Longhair's old conga player who's still alive, Alfred. Uganda Roberts on congas, and I play piano, piano representing Europe, and conga representing the rhythmic percussive instruments of uh, Africa. So Key West, it's, I've been here in Key West so long, it seems like I, it's like I'm, I'm a, a, a keeper of the flame, you know, but uh, at the same time, it's it's real interesting to be in the right area I'm learning uh, about the history of this stuff. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, since I know better where I came from by knowing four or five hundred years of history behind me. And uh, like I said, back to that thing, I love it because I think it's just real pure music and it's beautiful. Fascinating stuff. You mentioned Mali a little while ago. Right. It's true that you went there. Yeah, I took my daughter there. It was a real cool festival. It's actually uh, kind of in limbo right now. They moved it down to uh, what was it, Burkina Faso, I think, this past year, out of Mali because of the uh, Al-Qaeda coming down. And screwing up everything up. The Tuaregs, uh, the, the blue men of the desert, uh, kind of trusted, uh, the Al Qaeda to come down and they didn't realize that they're going to ban music. And that was probably a mistake they made, you know, because at that point they weren't too happy. What happened is, uh, is basically when, when they got rid of Gaddafi, uh, a lot of, uh, the Arab Spring, this stuff, you know, a lot of the Al Qaeda had kind of free reign to roam, roam around and they, came in from the east of Mali, Nigeria, and places like that, and came over to uh, and took over, you know, the government. I mean, it was really strange, because we were in Timbuktu, Mali, which is this old, old, very historic learning center of, of Islam. And they've got all these incredible old, old manuscripts and all the stuff dating 500, 600 years ago. And Al-Qaeda came in and started destroying this and banning music. So it was a, like, you know, big mistake. <laughs> yeah. You also mentioned the conga player that appears in the album, Alfred Uganda Roberts. What were your thoughts on using him for the album? Let's do, um, let's put Uganda through the hoop, so to speak, and see if it works on the stuff that was before Professor Longhair, that where Fest was coming from. But let's take it back another Fifty hundred years ago, and see if, if the con and the congas work, and it actually does. The CD, uh, New World Blues Roots. Uh, some of my friends have pointed out, more musically scholars, that at, at first they think the piano doesn't need the congas, but they say, you know, the more I listen to it, the more it does fit and it works. So, I mean, that's good. What is the best thing about being Barry Cuda? <laughs> I did it sideways. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's, it's, you know, I think everybody wants to do what they love. What you, if you can get paid to do what you love, that's it. I got tired of the road and moved here. And now I'd, act, I'd actually like to get back on the road some because I love living and eating in Europe and spreading the, the booty and the blues gospel. But at the same time, it's, the road is tough, you know, so it's nice to be here. It's career purgatory in a way, but, uh, Purgatory never looks so nice as palm trees and beautiful ocean. So my last question is just kind of open-ended. Whatever you'd like to say to the listeners. 
know where you came from. Uh, don't think, learn to think for yourself. Don't buy into stuff that multinational corporations are trying to sell you. Choose your own path. Think, learn to think for yourself. <laughs> One more question. Who is Barry Cuda? <laughs> Who is Barry Cuda? It's me, the animal. <laughs> All right, sir. Great All pleasure. Right. Take care. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.